0: Timothy Putnam and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. Oh, I'm so glad you've joined me today. I'm really quite excited about this. Uh, Today we're going to be talking with Marcus Grody. He is the founder of the Coming Home Network. Uh, and a host of EWTN's show, The Journey Home, uh, I, I called him up a few months ago and said, well, you know, um, I came on your show, so you should come on mine. And it worked. I'm just, he ch- probably would have done it anyway, but I uh, I had to pull that little thing. Uh, we're still in Easter. Hey, it is still Easter until tomorrow. Tomorrow we celebrate Pentecost. Uh, Pentecost is the celebration, of, of course, it comes from the, the word uh, 50, right? Pentecost. Uh, is 50 days after uh, Easter, 50 days after the celebration of Passover, right, at that time. And so the celebration of Pentecost was one that was already in existence, and it just happened to coincide with the birth of the church. And it's strategic why that happened, because all of the people from all over gathered in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost, and God emboldened the apostles on that day to go forth and share their witness. And uh, scripture tells us that 3,000 people were added to their number that day, that day because of the Feast of Pentecost. And so we in, uh, in uh, today, in today's church, we celebrate the Feast of Pentecost as the birth of the church. Before then you had the apostles, you had uh, those who followed Jesus. And even after the ascension, which occurred on Thursday uh, last, um, even up until that point, you had those people who followed Jesus. And then that short little time later between Ascension and Pentecost, uh, all of a sudden uh, a movement breaks forth, not just followers of Jesus, but the church, right? And so uh, that's tomorrow. And uh, if there's a tradition, I don't know where it comes from. I don't think it's a necessarily a Catholic tradition, uh, but to wear red, on Pentecost. Everybody in the church wears red. It's just kind of a reminder of the flames uh, that, that rested on the apostles' heads in the upper room before they went out and shared their witness. Uh, a few weeks ago, no, I guess a couple of months ago, we talked with Sonia Corbett. She is a, uh, she's another host on a Breadbox Media show. Uh, and she had this, we were talking about purgatory. She had this really interesting perspective or one of us in the conversation. I don't remember who, uh, but the, but it came up and it was fascinating. The idea that perhaps the the tongues of fire that rested on them were the was the purification of the disciples, their their purgatorial moment uh, to prepare them for the ministry that they needed to go into. Now, that, of course, that's just speculation, uh, but I think it's pretty interesting speculation. Uh, the idea of God being a consuming fire and consuming those parts of us that are not helpful to his, to his will for us, not helpful to advancing the kingdom of God, uh, justice and peace and et cetera and so forth. So, you know, uh, how, how many of us, if we could experience that moment of Pentecost, that moment of purification for the purposes and the will of God, how many of us would abandon ourselves to that? Uh, I, you know, I, I might be tempted to do that, to go through that moment of, of fire and of, of wind, right, that we're going to talk about here in just a moment, uh, that comes out of the book of Acts chapter 2. How many of us would endure that if it meant that then we could be abandoned completely to the will of God? Now, it's probably not going to be anything nearly that spectacular, but the answer is you can. You can live a life that's completely abandoned to God couple of weeks ago, we talked with Dr. Peter Kreeft about his book, How to Be Holy. And uh, if you listen to that, but haven't read the book yet, uh, he goes through in that book, how to be abandoned completely to God. And the effectiveness of the apostles came from the fact that they were abandoned to the will of God. They were willing to share their story. They were willing to put themselves in danger. They were willing to give everything abandonment uh, to see God's kingdom come and God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See those words that we pray in the mass and that we pray in the Lord's prayer. They're not just um, uh, simple words. They're, they're, it's not something that has a little cadence to it and a rhyme, and so we say it and and give it no thought. Those words are revolutionary, right? They they are uh, they cause upheaval. Uh, give us the day our daily bread. You know, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. All of these things within that prayer are revolutionary. They give us the tools we need to abandon ourselves completely to the will of God. Just think about that for a second. Our Father who art in heaven. First of all, God is intimate. He's Father. He's transcendent in heaven, right? Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, you rule over everything. You speak and worlds are formed. Let it be on earth in the same way that it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come on earth in the same way that your kingdom is manifested in heaven, where you rule over everything. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not my will, like Jesus said, but yours be done. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses in the same way that we forgive others lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is a prayer of abandonment to the will of God. If we'll take it, if we'll put our intention behind it and say, okay, um, I want to be like the apostles. I want to know you and have the certainty that it seems that the apostles had. And, And I want for people to recognize that and come to a place where they know me not because of uh, my quirks and not because of even my failings, but I want them to know me because of Christ, right? These are big things. And there there are things that frankly even scare me a little bit. Uh, That kind of abandonment, it it does seem like uh, a great uncertainty. So, uh, you know, it's not like I've got it all together here, Uh, but that is the prayer of abandonment that, Everything that I have, everything that I will, everything that I wish for, I am going to submit to the rule and reign of God on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, And so here we have Pentecost. We have these apostles who have followed Jesus uh, for three years. They watched him die. They spent 40 days with him after his death and resurrection as he walked and, and gave sermons and signs and proofs that it was actually him, right? Uh, and now he ascends into heaven and says, wait, because you'll be clothed with power by the Holy Spirit. And then it happens. It happens. Right here in the book of Acts, chapter 2, uh, and that's our first reading for tomorrow, we, we hear this. When the time for Pentecost was fulfilled, they were all in one place together. And suddenly there came from the sky a noise like a strong driving wind and it filled the entire house in which they were. Then there appeared to them tongues as of fire which parted and came to rest on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them to proclaim. Let's stop right there for a moment because one of the first things that I notice is that they were all in one place together. That this is not a solitary proposition. It's not the kind of thing that Well, if I just have a close enough relationship with God, then God is going to empower me and I'm going to be great. They were all in one place together. There is strength in community and God works within community. God works within the church. And so if you want to have this kind of abandonment to God, it has to be in the context of community. You can't do it on your own. I can't do it on my own. I have to surround myself with others. So... Now, what's the result of that? What's the result of them being filled with the Holy Spirit and the result of them speaking in different tongues? It's not just so that they can, wow, that's cool. I didn't know I could do that. No, it's not, uh, it's not a, just a quick little, um, look, I have a Rosetta stone in the Holy Spirit. Now, look at this. It says, the purpose of this. Now, there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven staying in Jerusalem. At this sound, they gathered in a large crowd, It's kind of like, ooh, is there a fight? Let's go look, right? Uh, At the sound, they they gathered a large crowd, but they were confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Ah, there's the purpose for the different languages. They were astounded and asked in amazement, uh, are are not all these people who are speaking, are they Galileans? And how does each one of them hear, each one of us hear them in our native language? And then it goes through the different languages and there's lots of them. Uh, my favorite's Phrygia because it just sounds cold. Uh, <laughs> and then it says both Jews and converts to Judaism. Uh, and yet we hear them speaking in our own tongues of the mighty acts of God. Right? They're not just talking. They are talking of the mighty acts of God. They're telling the story of salvation. Now, we got to be in community. We have to be abandoned to God. And we have to be willing through the power of the Holy Spirit to tell our story in whatever way he brings to us to do for them. It was in different languages because they needed to reach all of these different languages uh, and cultures that were gathered in Jerusalem for this day. But uh, the point is not that they spoke in tongues. The point is that they were abandoned to God completely. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now are we going to have days that we fail at that? Yeah. Yeah. Of course we are. Uh, That's called concupiscence. It's the bent that we have towards sinning. But every day we renew. uh, Lord, come to my assistance. Oh, God, make haste to help me. Right. We renew and we say, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, there's lots more to talk about. We're going to be talking with Marcus Grody, founder of the Coming Home Network and host of EWTN show, The Journey Home, right after this, so don't go anywhere. Jump over to Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle is at Outside the Walls, and talk to me about your story. What is your story? I want to hear from you. We'll be right back after this. Timothy Putnam, you're listening to Outside the Walls. Thanks for sticking through the break. Oh, we've got a great show for you today. Uh, we are talking with Marcus Grodi. He is the founder of the Coming Home Network and host of EWTN's The Journey Home, uh, a show that I was honored to be a part of a couple of years ago, and many others who have come into the church uh, as converts have also I've been invited to share their story. Of course, we're here in the Easter season. Tomorrow is the end of the Easter season. We celebrate Pentecost, the birth of the church. And and it's the perfect time to talk about the power of a story, the power of witness today, uh, because it was the witness of those apostles that launched the church. 3,000 people were added to their number that day on the day of Pentecost. Uh, And so, Marcus, thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: Timothy, thank you for the invite. And it's good to talk to you again. It's been a couple of years. It
0: has been good to see you again. Right. So I wanted to talk just a little bit about your journey, because there's always, uh, most often there's a witness that leads someone into the church. You know, some people read their way into the church, but generally there's a catalyst to get them to start reading. So what was your catalyst? Who was the witness that really impacted you and, and brought you to a place where you were willing to look at the Catholic church?
1: Yeah, that's a key part, Timothy, although, you know, any story like your own, there's so many factors Mm -hmm. that that God uses to play into that process. But uh, a person whose story was key in my own journey was a person that very many people have been affected by, and that's Dr. Scott Hahn. Mm -hmm. He and I had been seminary classmates together. And when I knew Scott back in the late 70s, early 80s, We were vehement Calvinists. Uh, Neither of us would have been the least bit open to the Catholic Church, and he was the least person I could have imagined. And then when I heard through the grapevine that he had become Catholic, I was a Presbyterian pastor. I heard he became Catholic. I didn't believe it to be true at all. I figured it was a a lie. I couldn't imagine it.
0: Vicious rumor.
1: (laughs) Yeah, a rumor. And Then when I reconnected with him and then heard his story, actually in the his cassette tape of his journey—that's what opened my heart. And and to be frank, as I look back, I know that that was what the Lord needed to open my heart was the witness of someone whose integrity I believed to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had never heard of another Protestant minister becoming Catholic ever. Right. Um, so it took someone whose integrity I knew to open the door. And then I was open to his story and his witness. And that began the journey that took a couple of years until my wife and I came into the church.
0: Yeah. So now you come into the church after nine years as a pastor and you saw this need, you saw this hole, uh, and, and you sought to fill it. And you did that with the coming home network. Talk What was the progression? How long did that take after you've been a Catholic? And, and what was the, the driving force that, that drew you to that ministry?
1: As I said, it took two years about for me to go from hearing for the first time and being open to the Catholic Church, two years to work through all the issues, the doctrines, the prejudice within myself. And when I came into the church, I had, all of a sudden I became aware of other Protestant ministers who were on the journey also. I didn't know about them. I hadn't heard of other stories. So we began connecting each other so that we could hear each other's stories, those who had come into the church and those who were on the journey, because we came from similar backgrounds. We were all Protestant ministers or wives of ministers. So by sharing each other's stories, we were able to support each other. It's like everybody going to a conference. We, we all get there and realize, hey, we could have taken the same bus. So. <laughs> Yeah. The Coming Home Network was a way of having that bus so we could all be together. We could break away from the pressures of our daily lives. You know yourself. Who do you talk to when you're out there? Yeah. We all shared same journeys. So the Coming Home Network began as a kind of a fellowship group, if you will. But now for 23 years, we've been contacted by several thousand Protestant ministers on the journey and academics and missionaries who are all becoming aware of the church. And I would say mostly because they hear stories mm-hmm. of others who've made the journey.
0: I tell you, I remember when I signed up for it and I'm, I'm just trepidation because you're going to start sending mail to my house and, and I have people over to my house. And so anytime someone from my, my church would be coming over, I'm like, okay, find all the Find all the newsletters and hide them. <laughs> and that right. first that first one, it said, pray for uh, Timothy P., a Methodist. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh someone's going to see this and just know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's why we tried to protect anonymity, but we weren't always successful. But we knew, we know of stories where as soon as a Protestant minister starts looking at the church and he makes it known, they could get fired from their job. Right
0: Now, have you ever uh, inadvertently outed someone?
1: (laughs) A couple times, uh, you know, like the example you just gave, where we mentioned a Presbyterian minister named Bill in Texas is thinking of the church, and all of a sudden, that was too much information. Right. Even in the whole state of Texas, somebody knew, and that person's life was in an upheaval all of a sudden.
0: You know, and it's it's not like it's you're not taking every effort to to right. share and and make sure that people are praying for them and also protect anonymity. But you know, some people are just convinced. And I remember when when I finally quit my job at the Methodist Church and and people said, "Where are you going?" And I said, "I'm becoming a Catholic." And almost ubiquitously, the the answer was, "Oh, well, that makes sense." You know, <laughs> it's like it's not not like I'd been all that super secret hiding about it after all. <laughs>
1: They see the clues and the trajectory of your theology as you're trying to live your life.
0: Mm-hmm. So we're talking with Marcus Grodi today here, the the founder of the Coming Home Network, and talking about that work of helping people who are not Catholic, uh, specifically whose jobs are, are dependent on being not Catholic, come into the church. Talk a little bit about uh, the progression of this coming home network, from where you started just as a small support group, to the, the various opportunities you have uh, to enrich, to answer questions, and to help even with job placement.
1: Well, Timothy, it's amazing. As you ask that question, you're doing so into a microphone, and we're talking to each other, looking at each other over the internet. Right. When I when I started the ministry back in the early 90s, there was none of this stuff. Mm-hmm. There was snail mail and phone calls, but the word of mouth got out, and pretty soon other ministers were writing or calling me, were trying to get connected. This was in the early 90s. It grew little by little by little until in the late 90s, I had the invitation to share my story on Mother Angelica's show. Dr. Kenneth Howell and I were together on Mother Angelica's show. We shared our journey into the church. And during that broadcast, mother said, you know, I want you back. And within a month, she had invited me to do the Journey Home program because her belief was that there were many Catholics who were bemoaning the fact that their children and siblings had left the church. Mm -hmm. And she believed that if every week they could hear the story of someone coming home to the church, it would give those parents a hope that their children might come back. Mm -hmm. And I agreed with her. Of course, my reason for doing the program is I wanted the stories to reach our non-Catholic Christian brothers and sisters to hear the journey towards the church. So we started in 97. And from that day on, the Coming Home Network and the Journey Home program were synergistic. Mm-hmm. The Coming Home Network exists and grows uh, at the rate of two to five new Protestants contacting us every week, plus other People. Right. Every week because of the program. And then on the other hand, most of the guests of the Journey Home program were members of the coming home network like yourself.
0: Right. So now some of the things that you offer, uh, one is you've got this networking opportunity because when you're a minister in the Protestant world, when you have your whole career in one area, all of your contacts are in that area all of your ability to grow and have strength and and be able to tap someone on the shoulder and call in a favor it's all wrapped in within that that little denomination and and so you know my father was a methodist pastor and a <laughs> lot of my jobs came because I knew people he knew and, and so all of a sudden you're thinking about getting rid of that entirely right you're you're losing your support network and so now the journey not the journey the coming home network steps in and says Hey, we've been there. we Will be your network, and, and now you have the same kind of job opportunities. The same now, maybe it's one that'll fit you, maybe it's one that won't. But you have someone advocating for you, and I think that that's uh, something that uh, that's a scary thing when you're stepping out. How am yeah. I gonna How am I gonna network? Who am I gonna know? Who's gonna be my advocate?
1: Yeah, if you if you were to ask a fish, have you ever thought of living outside the water? Mm-hmm. And the fish would say, what's water? Right. You know, because a fish has always been in water, doesn't know life other than that. And mm-hmm. most American non-Catholic Christians in many ways are unaware of the, the anti-Catholic soup mm-hmm. on which they live. That's been a part of our a culture that we, re, we inherited in many ways from Elizabethan England. Mm-hmm. And that just fills us. So. When someone like yourself, by the grace of God, beco- starts to become open to the Catholic Church and the teachings of the Church and the history of the Church and the early Church Fathers and all of that, you're a fish out of water, and other fish, other Protestants, having a clue for, for, for the, uh, the mystery of God's will, he may not have given them the grace to hear, to listen yet. And so who do you talk to? And that's the reason for the Coming Home Network, through the Internet, through mail, through phone, through face-to-face meetings, we provide connections for people on the journey to talk about what the Lord is now calling them to consider doing.
0: Yeah. We're talking with Marcus Grodi today, founder of the Coming Home Network, uh, chnetwork.org. If you need their help, they're there for you. We're talking about the power of a story and specifically the power of witness. Why don't you join this conversation? Go over to facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. Tell me your story. What does your faith life look like today? We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to outside the walls i'm your host timothy putnam thanks for sticking around we're talking about the power of a story i'm talking today with marcus grodi founder of the coming home network and host of ewtn's the journey home and we're talking about the power of witness and of story uh, to bring about conversion so you have written uh, several books to this end as well not only have you uh facilitated the Coming Home Network. Not only have you shared other people's stories, but you've found a creative way to share your own story. Tell us a little bit about that book.
1: Well, and I will say, Timothy, that maybe I am most incomf- most comfortable with telling stories. Even in many ways, I learned how to preach uh, mm-hmm. by listening to Garrison Keeler tell stories on, <laughs> on the Prairie Home Companion. And, and the power of story, I was so moved by that. And all my life I've 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 been moved myself by reading fiction, and the Journey Home program has stories for over 20 years. Uh, the books, Journeys Home, that I've put together are conversion stories. Mm-hmm. But my father, um, who was in his 60s when he thought it was crazy when I gave up engineering to go to the ministry in the first place— But then when I gave up the Protestant ministry to become Catholic, he didn't have a clue. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't a practicing Christian. And I tried to help him understand. I would give him nonfiction books about the Catholic faith, the catechism, uh, all kinds of apologetic works. And he would say thank you and then put them on the shelf. He never even cracked the cover Mm -hmm. because the one genre that he loved was fiction. He read a novel a day. He was a voracious reader. And so I wrote him a fiction. I wrote him a book first, How Firm a Foundation, which is not my story. The, the characters in the story are not myself and particularly not my wife, Marilyn. Yeah. But what I wanted to communicate in the genre of fiction was the thinking, the psychology that goes behind a person's conversion. And it's a story of a Protestant minister being drawn to the Catholic Church. And you know, as well as I know, there's a big part of our conversion stories that we can't say on the air (laughs) And, and we can't communicate in a biography or in a short journey home conversion story. Right. But in fiction, we can reveal what goes on in the thinking, in the heart, the sinful attitudes, all of which God can use to, to open us up. That's the power of a story. And I wrote that for my dad and you know, God works in many ways. So I know that in the end, that story was helpful to him because kind of like the father in Brideshead Revisited, he pretty much came into the faith on the day he died hmm. in the hospital. And uh, later I wrote another novel called Pillar and Bulwark. And these are both stealthy ways of using story to reach out to non-Catholic Christians to help them. If they love a story, like a John Grisham story, that was the goal of these books, to slowly help them hear the story of the church.
0: Now, we're talking here on Pentecost. Pentecost is tomorrow, the Holy Spirit falls, uh, and the apostles, these timid people who, who just a week ago didn't get it, uh, right. are you now going to establish your kingdom? They say, uh, a week ago, didn't get it. And now they begin through the power of the Holy spirit, sharing their story and making a profound impact. Talk about a little of what you've seen, uh, through the power of the Holy spirit from the stories that have come through the journey home and all of your years of doing this. Uh, you know, you've got all the Catholics who are watching EWTN, but then you, then there are those other people who would never admit to it, but it's on their television. They're watching it. Uh, what's some of the feedback you've gotten from these people over the many years?
1: Yeah, well, I've got to say Pentecost is a great time to uh, to ask this question because when you most people when they think of Pentecost, think they, well, they got zapped with the Holy Spirit so they could speak in tongues or they could do gifts. Not really. The, I mean, mm-hmm. the purpose of Pentecost was to give them the grace so they could tell their story, yeah. so they could witness, and in that case, it was the opposite of of uh, the Tower of Babel so that they're one, these fishermen limited to one language were given the gift to tell that story to all those people gathered with all their other languages. And the—and again, now let's take up to this today, the Journey Home program. What's amazing, and this is a great gift of EWTN, they've allowed us to put all the Journey Home episodes up on the internet. Yeah. So we're receiving Responses from people all over the world, whose lives are touched by the story of people drawn to the church. You know, Timothy. Maybe, maybe what personally what helps me see the power of these stories is that I'll be riding in an airplane or, or, uh, you know, in one of those trains at an airport. I'll be out there, and someone will say, "Wait a second, (laughs) You're, you're on that program," and I say, "Thank you," and let me say the praise that I get for that program is never about me. Mm -hmm. It's about the stories. It's almost like I'm invisible, which is the way I want it to be. Right. It's as I told you when you're a guest, I'm sure that was your program. It Mm -hmm. isn't mine, it was your opportunity. And we see how the Lord uses that to touch people's lives. Certainly an apologetic book giving all the arguments as to why the Catholic teachings are true can affect people. But when you see it in the story of someone, how it actually changed their lives, it makes a unique connection that the Holy Spirit can use. Mm -hmm.
0: And how many of your guests that have come on the show were, were stealth watchers of, of the program before? Uh,
1: uh, I don't know the number, but invariably at least half of them Mm -hmm. had at one point been watching the program and You know, you're doing Internet broadcasting and certainly the Journey Home on television has touched a lot of people. But it's also why I'm a big proponent of Catholic radio as well as Internet broadcast, because, you know, if you're going to watch the Journey Home program at home and you're a Protestant minister, you've got to get everybody else away from the television set. (laughs) Right. You don't want them to know a lot of times that your wife or your kids are knowing that you're watching TV but you can be in your car listening to the programs and there's the stealth way of reaching out to people. But I'll tell you one example. I had these two sisters on the program, they're from Canada, they're natural sisters, not religious sisters. One was a lifelong Catholic, the other had left the faith and become an atheist. They were on the program telling their story. And this is back in the early days when the program is actually live so we could take live phone calls. The second half of the program, a call came in from a woman. You could tell she was weeping. She said, I just have to let you know, I'm not saying I'm becoming Catholic. I'm an atheist. I was in a hotel room. I had come to this hotel room specifically to commit suicide. Mm -hmm. I got away from my family. I locked myself in this room. The stuff is here to commit suicide. But admittedly, I was a little nervous, so I thought I'd turn the TV on for a second just to delay it. When the TV came on, The first word I heard when I hit your program was the word atheist. So I listened and I heard this woman's story. She said, for the first time in years, I might have some hope. So pray for me. And then she hung up. You never know, Timothy. Right. Who might be listening.
0: And I think that that's an important thing, not just when we're talking about broadcasting. It's an important thing in our daily conversations. Right. Are we choosing words that unite us? Are we choosing words that provide hope? Or are we choosing divisive language? Are we choosing things that are going to build bridges or tear bridges down? Uh, because you never know who's listening to your conversation.
1: Right, right. You know, in in the one of the letters of Paul, I think the name of a person named Demas, I think is the name of someone he— mentions who had fallen away from the faith because he had fallen into worldliness. Mm -hmm. Now think about it. That man is now remembered throughout all ages. His name is in scripture as Mm -hmm. someone who fell away because of his worldliness. Tim, how are you and I going to be remembered? Right. When someone tells our story, like that song says, if anybody writes my life story, what are they going to tell us about us? Is our life a witness to draw people to Christ and to the church or are our words and actions something that discouraged people, discouraged our children, discouraged our grandkids? Lord Jesus, help us so that our words and lives are a witness.
0: You know, I think of uh, in it's not a big thing to be a witness. It's about being authentic. But a lot of times we think in our culture that authentic means having no filter whatsoever, (laughs) Uh, right, and in the in the book yeah. of Colossians, uh, Colossians three, it says, "Now, as dearly beloved children, clothe yourselves with compassion," and and, and goes through this whole list of things. And people yeah. say, "Well, uh, you know, it's I'm I'm just trying to be natural here." Well, you know, we clothe ourselves to cover up our nature sometimes. I yeah. wake up in the morning, I look in the mirror and say, mm, "I'm not going out like that." Here, let me let me get some clothes here and there, and and I'm going to make myself presentable. And we have to ask the Holy Spirit to do that same thing, to say, OK, here's here's all of me. Here I am in my in my raw uh, truth. Now, Holy Spirit, what do I need to put on today?
1: Yeah, well, you know, some people say I don't want to be a hypocrite. Right. I don't want to. Be, I don't. And the, the thing is, we got to remember every single Christian that puts on the robe of Christ to try and live like Christ is a hypocrite. Every one of us is a sinner. Mm-hmm. Every one of us wants to be better by grace. Well, and, and so we, we get acted until we feel it acted until we it takes a while for those virtues to grow.
0: And this is the story of Pentecost, right? right. The, the Holy Spirit clothed them on the day of Pentecost to make them effective witnesses yeah. just a week before they, they weren't right? right. Just the day before they weren't. But through the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace that was given them in that day, uh, they were. And that what that tells me is that any one of us. If we submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit, any one of us can be an effective witness.
1: Yeah, and Paul says in Galatians that even after Pentecost, Peter at least fell one more time.
0: Yeah. We're talking with Marcus Grodi, founder of The Coming Home Network. You can find out more information about them over at chnetwork.org. He also hosts The Journey Home on EWTN. You can find that at ewtn.com and watch it every Monday night at 7 o'clock. Uh, encores throughout the week. Join us over at facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. I want to hear about your story. We'll be right back after this. To outside the walls. I'm your host Timothy Putnam. Thanks for sticking around. Well, if you're just now joining us, just now, uh, then this needs to be the week. This needs to be the week that you go to outsidethewalls.com. You know, I know you're. You may not be by your computer right now, but the the, the name of the show is outside the walls. You just add a .com to that, and you're you're going to find it. This is the week that you need to go to outsidethewalls.com. Uh, And over in the podcast section, there's three sections there, uh, live streaming, uh, terrestrial radio, and podcast. You go to that podcast section and subscribe. You can do it through iTunes. You can do it through any specific aggregator using FeedBurner, or you can get it through the Podbean mobile app. Uh, All of those are available there. Use the one that you're most comfortable with. And the reason that you want to do that is that this has been a phenomenal show. We've been talking with Marcus Grodi, founder of The Coming Home Network and host of The Journey Home on EWTN, which airs on Monday nights. Uh, New episodes here, Monday nights at 7 o'clock Eastern Time on EWTN. Check your local uh, Internet provider, content provider, uh, whether you use cable or whether you use, uh, you know, like we've got a Roku at the house. Uh, And we watch it through Roku because they've got a channel right there. You don't have to pay for uh, the cable subscription to be able to watch EWTN. Hey, did you know that? You can also watch it there at EWTN.com. Now, uh, great show. Uh, I can say that because (laughs) I've been on it. No, (laughs) I have been on it, but that's not why. No, he brings in people who have converted to Catholicism, who have left behind uh, their livelihood generally. So this is people who have come into the church from the Protestant church who worked for the Protestant church. Uh, some of them are pastors, some are missionaries. I was a a minister of worship and arts musician. Uh, and so whoever they are, they've, they've said, you know what, this is such an important move for us to come into Catholicism that I'm willing to give up everything. And the coming home network provides, uh, there's a forum that provides support. It provides uh, all kinds of opportunities that uh, that we give up in the networks that we had previously. So it's been a great show, uh, and it's one that if you missed it, you need to go listen to it. It'll be up on the podcast by this evening, uh, and if you didn't miss it, you need to share it. This is one to get the word out and let people know, uh, one, about the show, but also about that episode. We've got uh, things on that uh, that you can share on Facebook that tell, talk about this episode. So go over to facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. Uh, find those posts and share them with your friends. Uh, bring more people into this community as we engage in the conversation of living outside the walls. So tomorrow we celebrate Pentecost. Uh, this is the birth of the church when God sent his spirit on the apostles and on those who were gathered with them, and, and launched what we now enjoy today uh, as the Catholic church. So I want to read to you today out of tomorrow's reading. This comes from the breviary from the office of readings. Uh, This is a a treatise against heresies by St. Irenaeus. And he's a very early saint, early third century, uh, 202 AD. And so, This is a very longstanding early belief of the church. When you hear these things, you can kind of get a sense for, uh, for the trajectory of that early church. Let's listen together. When the Lord told his disciples to go and teach all nations and baptize them in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy spirit, he conferred on them the power of giving men new life in God. He had promised through the prophets that in these last days, he would pour out his spirit on his servants and his handmaids and that they would prophesy. So when the son of God became the son of man, the spirit also descended upon him, becoming accustomed in this way to dwelling with the human race, to living in men and to inhabiting God's creation. The spirit accomplished the father's will in men who had grown old in sin and gave them new life in Christ luke says that the spirit came down on the disciples at pentecost after the lord's ascension with power to open the gates of life to all nations and to make known to them the new covenant so it was that men of every language joined in singing one song of praise to god and scattered tribes restored to unity by the spirit were offered to the father as the first fruits of all the nations this was why the lord had promised to send the advocate he was to prepare us as an offering to god like dry flour which cannot become one lump of dough one loaf of bread without moisture we who were many could not become one in christ jesus without the water that comes down from heaven and like parched ground which yields no harvest unless it receives moisture we who were once like a waterless tree could never have lived and borne fruit without this abundant rainfall from above Through the baptism that liberates us from change and decay, we have become one in body. Through the Spirit, we have become one in soul. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and strength, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of God came down upon the Lord. And the Lord in turn gave the Spirit to His church, sending the Advocate from heaven into all the world, into which, according to His own words, The devil, too, had been cast down like lightning. If we are not to be scorched and made unfruitful, we need the dew of God. Since we have our accuser, we need an advocate as well. And so the Lord in his pity for man, who had fallen into the hands of brigands, having himself bound up his wounds and left for his care two coins bearing the royal image, entrusted him to the Holy Spirit. Now. Through the Spirit, the image and inscription of the Father and the Son have been given to us, and it is our duty to use the coin committed to our charge and make it yield a profit for the Lord. That reading comes from the Treatise Against Heresies by St. Irenaeus, early, early third century. That image there at the end is, is fairly striking, That uh, that God, the Lord himself, bound up his own wounds. And it was given two coins, royal coins. And, and think about that. What is that? Well, those are the grave clothes and the coins that cover the eyes, right? So here he has, he's bound up his wounds and he has given two coins. And now we, St. Irenaeus flips it on us and says, we too are dead, right? We have died. Uh, this comes out of Colossians, right? Uh, if then you have died with Christ and were raised with him again, right? Uh, Since then, we've been hidden with Christ in God. We too have been bound up and we too have been given royal coins for our eyes. These royal coins are inscribed with the father and the son. And now we take these things and we go forward. Now, what does this mean for us to take these things? Because I'm just, you know, I'm just a guy. I'm just a dad. uh, I'm just uh, whoever I am. You're just whoever you are. Who am I to do any of these things? And that takes us to the sacraments, the sacraments. Uh, specifically those sacraments of initiation. Uh, and he talks about this a little bit in that reading we just read. We have baptism, which makes us one in body, right? We are baptized with Christ into his death and raised with him to walk in newness of life. This comes from, uh, from, I think, Romans. But Paul talks about that idea a lot of in our baptism, being baptized into the sufferings of Christ, being baptized into the death of Christ, Uh, He says in Galatians, uh, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me, right? We have this whole idea of baptism making us new, new creations, new life through baptism, right? Now, we move on from there, and we have confirmation. Confirmation is where we fully receive the fullness of the initiation into the church. We are We experience more profoundly our connection with the Spirit. We experience more profoundly the graces to walk in that life. And so here we are. We are people who have everything we need. We have the two coins over the eyes that he mentioned there at the end. We have all that we need to bring about God's kingdom within our circle of influence. We already possess those by virtue of our sacraments, by virtue of our reception of baptism and of confirmation. And so now it falls to us. How are we going to spend the capital that's been given to us? We have all of this available to us. We have let's call it money for the purposes, because he's using that term coins. We have the money available to us to do all the things we need to do for God. How are we going to spend it? How are we going to invest our capital? How are we going to share our story and invest our story into the lives of others to have it bear fruit? Uh, Just like the tree without moisture cannot produce fruit. How are you and I going to produce fruit if we don't stay refreshed and connected to the Holy Spirit, to God the Father? Through the sacramental life, through the reading of Scripture, remember St. Jerome said, ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. If you want to know who Jesus is, if you want to have uh, a relationship with him, people talk about that all the time, and we don't necessarily know how to approach that. How do I have a relationship with someone who's not around? Well, because he is through the church. He is present through the church. He's present in scripture, which the church has given us. He's present in the sacraments, which the church gives to us. Just like we said earlier with that first reading uh, out of acts. We have to be in community in order to receive the gifts of the spirit in the way that we're intended to, re- to receive them. The, the, uh, the apostles were all gathered in one place when the spirit came to them and when they were equipped. And so uh, maybe you don't make it to mass every week. I want to encourage you add one, add one per month, go one more time, be present with the body of Christ, be present with other people Uh, And with the church, receive those gifts that God has given so that together we can uh, bring about the answer to that prayer, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's all the time we have for this week. Outside the Walls is a co-production of Breadbox Media and St. Michael Radio heard around the world on live streaming terrestrial radio and podcast. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you
1: peace.